This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. What I want to do this week is review some of what we learned about the cases where you cannot decide because you don't have all the evidence. I want to make clear that the first thing is there are, that it's not that you don't have enough evidence to decide. This only comes up in cases where if there were no more evidence, the evidence you have is sufficient. So it's not that, you, it's not that the evidence you have is not dispositive, it's just that more evidence exists, and the question is, do you have to wait? Rav Moshe generally says that that means that uh, there isn't even a miyot um, hamatsui, Right, so there's a right. So if it's rove, a, a formal rove, then of course you can decide on a derisa level. If there isn't even a mir hamatsui, so now there's no drabanan issue with deciding. Um, but if there's still a chashash be'alma, uh, he calls it, which we'll have to at some point, and as he says, right, there has to be still something reasonable. It can't be that any infinitesimal choice, perhaps. But if there's still some kind of chashash be'alma less than a mir hamatsui, so then we say that um, if it's efshar livure. <clears throat> if you can still clarify more, then you have to. And Rav Moshe said, except that um, there are reasons you wouldn't have to. So, one case of Igor's Moshe Yeridea Aleph Ayin Bet from fifty-seven eighteen. Uh, so that's talking about shotness checking. So Rav Moshe said that um, ordinarily, if there is this chashash me'alma that the garment that you are either purchasing or selling to a Jew. Um, contains shotness, so then you have a chiv to check rather than wear it. However, um, he said that if you lose money because your customers will go somewhere else, so then so long as it's not a mid you can sell uh, a Jewish customer a, a non-shotness checked um, suit. Uh, then when he, and in 5723, Moshe uh, talking about gelatin made from skin, uh, so he says that all sorts of reasons that it's perfectly um, permitted, but the, those all add up to the claim that it is not no St. Tom, it doesn't give Tom, and the question of whether it gives Tom, he says, you can test with a uh, by having someone not Jewish taste it. Uh, or alternatively, uh, right, since he's really dealing with the question of milk and Fleshik, you can um, have people tested in ways that won't raise a kashras issue. So he says, Maybe you have to test uh, whether, in fact, it gives taste. Even halachically, you have grounds for concluding that it doesn't. And he offers an interesting formulation. So it's not that there's a doubt and you have to clarify the doubt. Even though you would have enough evidence to resolve the issue, if you can gain um, even greater clarity, and maybe it matters in this case you can really gain absolute clarity, um, then he says, it, you can't, it's irrelevant that you have enough evidence to decide a doubt, because there is no, right, the doubt only arises once you have obtained all the evidence you have. Until then, you can't even classify it as a doubt. What you have is uh, an open investigation. It's an interesting formulation. Again, in 5723, Ezra Bet Yud, dealing with the question of whether. Um, whether one has to consider that a, uh, a woman who believes herself to be married to a non-Jew, whether, whether you have to consider the possibility that in fact she was, um, she was married to a Jew. So he says, all women begin with a presumption of non-marriage, unless we know otherwise. This woman came and told us 
that the, her husband was not a Jew, so that maintains her, right? Since, unless there was a public uh, suspicion that she was married to a Jew, so we can rely on the um, Chazaka. But he says, right, and therefore you can allow her to remarry because you're really relying on on the presumption that she was never married halakhically. However, he says, but nonetheless, whatever you can do to clarify, you have to. And therefore he thinks that the rabbi asking the question um, did something worthwhile. That he, uh, he didn't, the, the rabbi in question didn't go back and he didn't find the husband and then interrogate the husband to see if the husband was Jewish. He made the woman swear that what she was saying was true. So there's a, this is, a, I think, a less absolute uh, claim. Right? He didn't claim, and it's not, you know, and until you made the woman swear it wasn't a suffix. I don't know that he would have criticized the rabbi if he hadn't, and I think that the probably the distinction between the cases, one possibility is one possibility is that um, there is no um, ap- possibility of absolute clarity, the way there is in the Jolton case, there's actually a test. Um, it's also possible he thinks the odds are lower in this case, it's possible he thinks that a chazaka is better than the arguments he had in that case, but my suspicion is that the core thing is uh, that we have to clarify whether Efshar Levara means that there is more evidence you could you could arrive at that would absolutely resolve the issue. It's just you think that the odds are very low that that new evidence will reach a different conclusion than you have already, and cases where you can't resolve it at all, all you can do is um, add a little bit to your certainty. So this, right, so in the Jolton case, it was just a test. You could find out uh, whether it gave taste or not. Um, but here, there... At least what the um, what the what the rabbi did doesn't really offer um, a great he doesn't doesn't offer absolute clarity. So I think that Rav Moshe probably is, would make that distinction, although we haven't seen him make it formally yet. In uh, fifty seven twenty seven, even as there Gimel Aleph, um, Rav Moshe talks about the question of whether uh, we require a hetem merabanim in order to uh, allow a man to remarry once his wife has already remarried um, to a uh, remarried remarry non Jew. Um, so he says, look, there, there, he doesn't think that's the case, but what do you have to clarify that, what do you need to actually clarify that she, mar- that, um, she married uh, the non-Jew um, and that she actually did something that, um, in the process of that marriage that, uh, that she, uh, she committed a sexual act that in fact forbade her to her current husband, which would, he, in his mind, uh, in his position, would um, relieve, the, relieve the husband of the necessity to get a hetamirabanim, um, so he says, look, and to find out whether this woman who, who under civil law married a non-Jew is still married to him, which would create a presumption that they in fact slept together and so she's a surah, as opposed to the, you know, the possibility that she married him civilly but, but then left him before they had an opportunity to consummate the civil marriage, you can easily clarify this. And although I see no need for this, why not do it? So we have really three categories. A, it's not a suffix, you have to do it. B, it's good to do it. And C, I don't know why you have to do it, but okay. Um, And um, in that case, I suspect, again, it's that there's a chazaka, um, that if you married somebody civilly that you've slept with them, and he thinks that's a very powerful chazaka, and I guess what we would say is that uh, the difference between a chazaka 
Um, and other forms of evidence is that chazakas are not percentage issues, right? Chazakas are just declarative judgments. So you can't say there's really, on a formal halachic level, if you're making the decision based on chazaka, there is no suffix to still be mevar, as opposed to if you use rov, maybe there still is. Um, talk about what it means for rov to be vare, and if you're, certainly if you're using an array of uh, circumstantial evidence, no matter how overwhelming the circumstantial evidence is, on a on the level of halachic statistics, you can still talk about um, gaining um, greater clarity. All right, the last time, um, actually two times ago, uh, in episode six, we talked about the question of clarifying the um, clarifying that um, someone has actually died. The interesting question we talked about inverting brain death, like what, maybe you can't declare death until you've brought in a whole battery of um, complex equipment to test every single organ to see if there's that might provide a sign of life. Uh, this question actually came up Lamasa for me recently. Um, so Ramosha says that ordinarily you can declare death on the basis of sufficient evidence. We don't require you um, to go beyond the halachic standards uh, for, uh, for declaring death. However, that's only when there is no possibility of saving the person. But when we're talking about whether you can be Chal Shabbos, um, so then he says, you can't give up the, the search um, just because you find a body and the body is probably dead. Um, and he explains that that's the machloket as to how far you whether you check whether you check for um, for um, respiration even after you don't hear you don't hear a heartbeat because um, he says you might think that you don't have to clarify further you can just say okay probably dead and it's Shabbos um, because Shabbos doesn't prov- the fact that it would be usher on Shabbos if there were not pikuach nefesh uh, doesn't make this impossible to clarify. Um, since you're in the context of pikuach nefesh, you um, you still have the possibility of clarifying, and in the context of pikuach nefesh, then you have an obligation to clarify to the utmost whether the uh, whether the, in fact there is still um, life and a chance of saving it. That's an, at least it, it, an interesting um, interesting situation where in some case where the the standards for saving are higher than the standards for uh, for burying in a sense. It's interesting, interesting um, truva. Okay. Um, what we're talking about uh, this this episode is a tshuva from fifty seven thirty one. This is. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.